listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. I don't know about you guys, but I have been loving this series that we're in, uh, the the Grow Up series, because it's taking a lot of the... uh, the concepts of Christianity that we touch on in church and touch on in service um, and, and really amping it up to, to teach us what it means on a deeper level and to help us kind of dig down into those areas and grow, grow up with these thought processes and so we can mature in, in, in where God is taking us and what he wants to do in us so we kind of get past the, the, the youth camp and Sunday morning altar call, dear Lord, forgive me for the thing that I've done the millionth time, and, and we can kind of mature and start getting past some of these things. As Paul put it, he says, you know, uh, I, I was expecting you to, to be eating meat, but you're still drinking milk. And so it's, it's kind of getting to that place to where we're, we're getting into those deeper concepts so God can really move in us in a, a way that we can help other believers get from point A to point B faster. And so I'm, this, this series has been challenging me. Alexis and I talked a lot about last week's messages, uh, or message, and it, it's been really, really good just for me just to sit and listen. And so I hope that you guys are getting as much out of it as I am. And as Pastor Jason and I discussed uh, this week that I would preach, the topic of, of conflict kept coming up. Um, and at first I was like, nah, <laughs> I'm going to stay away from that one because when people hear conflict, they want to run for the hills. Like they don't want to deal with conflict in their own life, let alone listen to a message for 30 minutes about how to deal with conflict. And, but then as God worked on me and <laughs> was, that was the thing that he was like, this is what I want you to talk about. And so today we're going to talk about conflict, but to be more precise, we're going to talk about how to handle conflict in a biblically mature way. So this isn't just like dealing with conflict and how to deal with the fallout of conflict. No, the, the goal of today's message is that we would deal with it in a biblically mature way. We would grow together and there would not be fallout. That's the goal of the message, is how can I deal with somebody that I have an issue with and not lose relationship? Because that's what, that's what Jesus wants for us. That's what he wants for us when we deal with con- conflict. And so today, that's the goal, is to give you some things to think about as you deal with conflict so it can become something in your life that bears godly fruit. See, the reason why we run from conflict is because every conflict scenario in our lives is has been probably really toxic and it blows up and we lose a relationship or we don't talk to family members or we don't go around people anymore that's the work of the enemy the enemy brings that kind of stuff into our lives he brings disunity he brings divisiveness he brings backbiting and so we want to get away from that but in order to do that we have to talk about how to deal with conflict in a godly manner so like I said, now we're, we are all going to experience conflict in your life. If you've been married more than five minutes, you're going to experience conflict in your life, okay? <laughs> right? See, or how many of you have kids? If you have kids, raise your hand. You experience conflict with those kids, right? I did not know that a toddler could care so much about whether she wore shorts or leggings, Okay? Or if her hair was going to be pulled up or in, in ponytail, pigtails, down. Like, it's, every day it's a new thing. I don't want my hair pulled up today. Well, you wanted it pulled up yesterday. Why isn't it the same today? 
And then you fight about it, and then their nose goes on the wall, or they get a spanking or something, and then you're like, are you ready to listen now? Right? See, but we can't deal with <laughs> conflict like that with, <laughs> with adults. We can't just be like, come here, I'm, I'm going to give you a spanking. Joey, come here. <laughs> right? We can't. We can't. <laughs> we can't <laughs> Or what about the spouse side? Who, who knows what I'm talking about? When, you, when, when you're like, hey, babe, can you come here for a second? <sighs> <sighs> right? You get, you get the spouse side. We all, know, we all know that side where it's like, oh, today's going to be a fun day. <laughs> it's going to be real, real fun. From the moment she woke up, she was just like, I don't want to see your face. Leave me alone. We, we all experience these things, but for some reason, for some reason, as long as there is a basis of love between you and that person, no matter what that conflict is, you can get past it. Yeah. It's only until that love is broken, it's only when that love is broken that it becomes something that you can't resolve the conflict. And so, in, in, as a part of God's family, as sons and daughters of, of God, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we should understand that there is a basis of love between us that no matter what the conflict is, we should be able to get past it. But how often do we treat it that way? How often do we treat it that way? See, Alexis, for example, her, she and I, we do this thing. We never call each other by our names. Like, unless I'm talking about her from, you know, preaching, I never call her Alexis. It's always, hey, babe, hey, babe, can you come here for a second? Hey, babe, can you go, go help the girls with this? Hey, babe, hey, babe, hey, babe. She does the same thing to me, and I always know I'm in trouble when she's like, hey, Tony, can you do this for me? <laughs> I always know. I always know. I was like, what I do? That's my first question, what I do wrong? <laughs> what I do? What how'd I, what, what I miss? You know? And we had, we had an issue um, where I, I am a, an extrovert, and I like to hang out with people, and I like to talk to people. And so when it comes to men's group, I'll stay late. And I'll get home at like 11.30, midnight sometimes. And, and, <laughs> and, and I'll call her when I'm leaving, and I got a 45-minute drive home. That's part of the reason why I get home so late. Hey, Tony. Uh, hey, babe. <laughs> and, and so, so I know that I've done something wrong. And we all have this innate sense in us that when we have conflict with somebody else, we know that there's an issue. There's something that's kind of off about the relationship. But... What does that conflict look like in your life? Are you the person that's like, I'm going to run towards this and I'm going to get this fixed? Or are you the person that says, you know what, I'm going to let him simmer down for a few weeks and I'll, I'll text him or call him, you know, in a month? Most people are that guy. Most people are the, the people that are like, I'll give it a month, you know? And then you text them and like, hey, what's going on? Hey, we haven't talked in a while. Why is that? Uh, man, I don't know. When you've intentionally set out not to talk to them because you know they're mad at you. See, because conflict is like, it's kind of like Bruno from Encanto. Like, we just don't talk about it. We sweep it under the rug and we move on. And, you know, we don't, we don't talk about it. Unless it blows up and we have to deal with it. And then in that scenario, it's much worse than if we would have just gone to the person in the first place. See, when I say conflict, the majority of people want to run for the hills. 
except for like there's like 10% of people that are like, nope, I'm charging straight for it. I happen to be one of those people. I'm like, you know what? Let's figure it out. I don't care if I get a bloody nose. I don't care if I break a limb. We're going we're gonna to get down and dirty and figure this thing out. And when I find out if somebody has an issue with me, I'm like, all right, you know, the person tells me, hey, this person's got an issue with you. I hang up. The first person I call is that person that's got an issue with me. Like, I'm like, let's get this done. But that's also not a healthy way to deal with it. I can't, I can't just, like, call them and berate them and try to fix the problem and just to get the satisfaction of me knowing that they're okay with me now. See, that's part of the problem is I'm not coming to the table willing to listen to what their issue is. I'm just trying to fix the issue so we can move on. That's not okay either. See, because growing up, I had a million and one reasons to be angry at the world. Who, who, who would say that in your life you have a million and one reasons to be angry at the world? Right? We all have junk. We all have issues. We all have things that we've gone through. And, but the thing is, is I use those as an excuse to seek out conflict, to be angry with people, to yell at people, to get my justice with other people. How dare you treat me that way? Or I would get in fights. I got in a lot of fights in middle school. Thankfully, Jesus came into my life and taught me that that's not okay and like, I need to control myself and control my anger and, you know, all of those things. But even after I found Jesus, it seemed like the conflict didn't go away because no matter where you go, no matter who you interact with, if you're interacting with a human, no matter how great the relationship is, one day you're going to disagree. It's going to happen. And as I matured in my faith, I realized that just because I'm wired for justice, it doesn't mean that every conflict needs my brand of justice to it. Have we realized that just because I disagree with somebody doesn't mean that they need my two cents or my fix for the problem? They don't. Because when I respond in that manner, I have the tendency to make things or the situation worse than what it already was. Because I'm so focused on my gratification. See, the hardest thing for me is sometimes to understand that I simply need to forgive and allow God to move on my behalf. Because the reality is, is if we look for conflict, we will find it. But the other side of that coin, the reality check is that oftentimes we don't have the maturity level to deal with the conflict that reflects Christ. So if you look for conflict, you're going to find it, but you better have the maturity level in Christ to deal with that conflict that represents him well. Because if we don't, we're making a worse name for him. We're bringing the name of Jesus down with us. Because we're saying we represent Christ. We're a Christian. I show grace. I show mercy. I show love. Right? But how, often how many times has my love and my grace and my mercy been corrupted because I was still seeking justice at the root of it all? You can't go into conflict seeking your way. You can't, go into co you can't come to the table expecting your way to, the be, to be the way that, that gets to be pursued. Because if two people come to the table like that, nothing's going to change, and you will lose relationship. See, as Christ followers, we need to be concerned. What we need to be concerned about the most is, am I honoring God with my actions? 
the deep-rooted understanding of honoring God first above all my other instincts is paramount to us growing up and maturing in our faith. So here's a quick test. Raise your hand if the Lord is speaking you, speaking to you to do something in your life. He's directing you somewhere, right? He's leading you somewhere. He's telling you you need to change something in your life, yeah. right? Now, how many of you have experienced conflict with a, a, another human before? Raise your hand. Every, every hand should be raised, just to be fair. Just, that's, a, that's a rigged question, all right? See, now how many of you, so you're, you're, you're experienced God leading in your life, you want to pursue those things, but how many of you are also experienced God's leading and dealing with that conflict and the people you've had conflict with, you're going to them. You're asking them questions. You're sitting down with them. Yeah. Well, if you want to follow God's leading, it's, it's great to follow his, his spirit leading you, but you also have to follow his written word. See, because Jesus specifically talks about how to handle conflict in Matthew 18, 15. But the question is, are we applying that to our life? Because we can't simply read his scriptures to check off a box. We need his scriptures to separate the life and death in us. And then we need to aggressively pursue all the avenues to get the death of the issue out of us. Because this is what Jesus says about conflict in Matthew 18, 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone, if he listens to you, you have gained a brother. If he listens to you, you have gained a brother. How many of you, when somebody sins against you, do you go directly to that person and tell them alone, only to them? Or how many of us call our friends, vent about the problem, burst our lid, get angry, and then after we've had our angry outburst, then all of that anger's gone and we're able to process the right way, then we go to the person. See, but that's not part of the equation. That's not part of the equation. Because if I have an issue with my wife, right, say I'm thirsty, and every time I want a drink, I have an expectation for her to go get me a drink. But I never communicate that to her. And then I get angry at her about it. That's on me. But we're so set on the other person is doing us wrong that we will never go have the conversation with the person to fix it. Because... If we're honest, we live in a society that it tells us how we feel is right. How we think is right. Your feelings are valid. Sometimes your feelings aren't valid. That's true. Sometimes they aren't. Because your feelings aren't based in truth. Like, if we could get to a place where we understand that, like, I was angry in this moment. I was frustrated and angry about a situation over here, and because of that frustration and anger, it leaked into this situation where I disrespected you. And I'm really sorry about that. But we don't do that. Why? It's so easy. 
It really is easy at the end of the day. But there's, there's an issue. See, because we've, we've had these moments, or I've had these moments where I've been so frustrated with people. I've had so much hurt and anger and irritation where I was driving past their neighborhood, and I was like, oh, Matthew 18, 15, go to my brother and tell them what's up. That's not what Jesus is saying. Like, I can't be driving past their neighborhood and be like, you know what, I'm going to pop in for a minute and just, you know, give them my mind, and then I'm going to go. That's not the point of, of Matthew 18, 15. The point of it is I'm coming to the table out of respect for our relationship, and I'm coming for an opportunity for restoration, forgiveness, and mercy to be present so we can move forward in this relationship in such a way that it becomes richer. And we live in a, in a place of understanding, and our relationship is healthier and deeper. That's why you gain a brother. But do you want to gain a brother or a sister, or do you want to sit in your pettiness and your frustration and your anger? See, because a lot of times the reason why we don't deal with the junk, the, the reason why we don't deal with the issue is because I care more about being right than I care about forgiving. I care more about feeling valid and the validation than I care about acting like Christ. See, we want the presence of God, but we're, we are unwilling to permit the law of God to work through us and operate in us. See, I think that, that there's three main things that lead to conflict in relationship. Number one is perception. You know, there's the old adage, perception is reality. I was taught that at a very young age. Perception is reality. So if the perception of everyone is that I'm good with someone, fake it till I make it, everybody sees me at church smiling, getting coffee with everybody, but I'm blasting people behind closed doors, I'm in the wrong. See, because perception the actual definition is the ability to see, hear, or become aware of something through senses. So in short, if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, it's more than likely a duck. See, we jump to conclusions. See, because what we do is if somebody is short with me and angry with me, I perceive that, that their frustration is directly with me. And so I create an offense. If it looks like a duck, if it talks like a duck, it's a duck. So I create an offense around a perception instead of knowing the person that this is not who they are, this is not their heart, this is not how they deal, deal with people, and going to them and being like, hey man, is everything okay? You were kind of short with me earlier, you don't usually talk to me like that, are you okay? How much conflict could we squash just doing that? When, when my wife wakes up and goes, hey babe, are you okay? What's going on? Are you overwhelmed right now? What can I help you with? How much more love would she feel if I simply took the time to empathize with her? But I don't. I'm so worried about the inconvenience of having to stop what I'm doing because I think what I've got going on is more important than what she's got going on. But it's not. We're one. 
So what she's got going on, I've got going on. What I've got going on, she's got going on. How often do we cause conflict or create more conflict because we, receive, we perceive an, an action through a lens of trauma, anger, or whatever other emotion we are feeling at that time? See, we can create and cause more conflict because somebody comes at me sideways and because... Can I just be really real with y'all? I'm sorry, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not trying to offend, but just because my old pastor used to talk to me like that, just because my old leader used to talk to me like that, just because an unhealthy person used to talk to me like that, now you're doing the same thing, so I've grouped you with them? Yes, come on. That's not fair. Yet we do that all the time. It's not fair for somebody to put that on me. It's not fair for me to put that on somebody else. Yet we do it all the time. See, the issue is your perception or framing of what someone thinks can cause a conclusion to form that's not entirely accurate. You're getting a 2% glimpse at 100% of the problem. Number two, pride. See, we throw the word pride around a lot, a lot. But what is pride? Pride is a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements. The achievement of those with whom one is closely associated or from qualities or possessions that are widely, widely admired. That's what pride is. So let's look at pride <coughs> in conflict. See, our pride can be swollen up because the feeling of pleasure or satisfaction from my achievements is being tarnished. I don't like that. See, because in conflict, our pride can, can be hit because we feel someone's coming at us without knowing the full story. Or maybe we feel they're speaking into something or, or that our need or desire to be right or inherently defend our stance without hearing someone out causes us to throw gas on the fire instead of sand. Because I'm so worried about defending myself that I don't care what's actually being said. I'm listening to respond. I'm not listening to hear. How many times have we done that? How many times have you done that with your spouse? Where like they're saying stuff and you're sitting there and you're strategizing on how you're going to like poke holes in their argument. Am I the only one that does that? <laughs> I'm just like, what? It's what we do. It's who we are as people. We're so worried about how we look and how we're perceived and what people think of us that even with our own spouse, we have a hard time being authentic and real. See, we have to be aware of ourselves enough to know what's a critique and what's an accusation. If you're not self-aware when somebody brings a crit critique, you're going to take it as an accusation. And if you're processing through trauma, you're going to take an accusation and cause it to be a critique. And then you're going to obsess over how you can make this this accusation go away 
And you're going to change God-given characteristics in you to conform to what the enemy's trying to do in you because you're not self-aware enough. See, our pride will cause us to take well-meaning people and turn them into villains. We'll, We'll turn people into villains when that was never their role. They just happen to fall into a category in which Satan was trying to attack us and he was a tool, or this person was a tool, one time. And now we've written them off as a villain, and they could never be in my life again. Does Jesus do that to you? Like, I'm having to watch myself, I apologize. See, God has put people in your lives and given them wisdom to look at your life and analyze it when you have a problem and to be able to give you a solution. But our pride will come in and we then become judge, jury, and executioner of that person's character because we don't like the advice we got. And we start to translate people's motives rather than allowing God to use authentic relationships to help our lives. How many times has a well-meaning person given you advice that you rejected because you didn't like what they had to say? See, but Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. So if I'm in a position where someone sees something in me that I have blinders to, I want that person to come talk to me. I may not like it at first. I may not agree. But I will listen to what you have to say and I will process it. Because I want to fulfill the potential God has put in me. Number three, performance. Now, when I say performance, it's a two-way street here. There's expected performance from someone and unexpected performance by someone. What this really drills down to is that there is a set expectation you have for yourself or others that isn't being met. And so you judge someone's performance, and based upon that performance, you determine your frustration level. Because anything between expectation, well, expectation up here, And reality is frustration. So if I have an expectation that somebody's going to do something for me and I have not communicated it to them, guess what? I'm going to be really frustrated all the time. It's like with with our kids, they they it's the same battle every night. They know the drill. You gotta brush your teeth, put your PJs on, and get in the bed. The expectation has been set, yet there's frustration every single night. <laughs> but what if I treated my kids like I would treat my, my, my 28-year-old wife? Where, oh, you can cook for yourself. You can get, get a drink for yourself. My kids would, would starve to death. See, we have to understand that the expectations we have on people have to be put in a position that they are ready to hold. That they are at a position and a place where they are able to bear that expectation you have for them. 
Stop putting expectations on people that aren't ready for them. We, we have to stop doing that. If I'm not ready to bear the weight of what God has given me, my talents will take me further than my character will. My character will fail every single time. So if I'm not doing everything I can to learn in the season that I'm in, then I will eventually get to a place where I will be struggling to uphold what God has asked me to do, what he's required of me. So every day we have to be learning and pursuing and understanding that the expectations God has on us, he's communicated to us, he's made clear, it's up to us if we're going to live up to them or not. See, all of these things give us the, the ability to grow closer with people. The, those three issues aren't aren't a huge thing. If we can lay all those things to the side, the, the pride, right? the performance, the perception, if we lay all those to the side, we can have a good conversation and reasonable conflict that leads to good resolution. But in order to do this, we, we have to lay our, our pride, our performance expectations, and our perception to the side to be empathetic. See, because Jesus says, if he listens to you, you've gained a brother. So how can I get somebody to listen to me? Well, number one, I have to be empathetic to their position. I have to understand what they're feeling. We have to put ourselves in the other person's shoes. You need to analyze if there's anything that I did without knowing that I came across a particular way. Was I short? Was I angry? Was I prideful? Was I just a jerk? Was I, what was I feeling or what was going on in my mind when I was communicating with the person that could have changed how I presented the information? See, you being empathetic to a person's position, feeling, or what they're feeling will allow you to have the courage to speak with them. The reason why you don't want to speak with them is you think they're going to treat you the way you would treat them. Because at, at, at the end of the day, that's why we don't want to speak with people. Because if somebody came at me like that, they don't know what they would be in for. Right? But we have to be empathetic. And there's two important things that happens in what Jesus says. And the first one is you have to go. If you, if you know your brother has an issue with you or you have an issue with them, you have to go. There is a mandate on you to go fix the problem. You have to go. We have to be willing to go to the person. We have to be willing to be open and vulnerable. So we got to set pride, perception, and performance away. We have to do away with those things so we can go to the person and sit with them and, and talk with them. See, we have to, when we're open and vulnerable, that's what having authentic relationship is. But one thing Alexis and I have been discussing that I thought was really good is that she said, you can be open and authentic without saying exactly what's on your mind. You can be open and authentic without being a jerk. You can speak truth and grace and mercy and so much more will happen. 
It doesn't mean you're being dishonest. It just means you're filtering out your thought and controlling your tongue because Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. So that means you're speaking, are you spewing hurt? Or when you're speaking, are you spewing hurt, anger and malice and other emotions that can cause the person to experience the power of death? Or are you speaking the power of life and uplifting them? and bringing peace to the table, and resolution to the table. And you've laid your pride aside, so you come to the table not to defend yourself, but to say, hey, let me have it. Let, tell me what's going on, because I want to fix whatever I've done to hurt our relationship. And number two, they have to listen. So to be an empathetic, you have to go, and they have to listen. It's important to understand that when someone is coming to you in a moment of vulnerability that we don't trample them or trample that moment by shutting them down. When they come to you, you can't just be like, nope, you're wrong. They might be wrong. They might not know the whole story. They might have a piece of the conversation. But I can't can't trample them. I I can't say, nope, you're wrong. I have to be there, and, and this is an opportunity to clarify anything. This is an opportunity to clarify. And then you have to take responsibility for the sting of what you did. Your actions may not have been received the way you wanted them to be, but you're still responsible for the sting of that action. You have to apologize. Hey, I didn't mean to hurt you. I didn't mean for it to come across this way. And I'm really sorry that I affected our relationship. But what I do know is, what I meant to say was this, but I'm sorry it came across like this. And if you're going to someone, make sure that you allow them the opportunity to correct. So if you're the one going to somebody and somebody's listening, allow that person the opportunity to correct any perception issues, pride issues, or performance issues that you may have had in the situation. See, in these moments, it's best to practice what James says in James 1, 19 through 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. See, conflict is going to happen, but we get to choose if we're going to allow it to be a moment to let God be glorified or allow the enemy to get the better of us. So point number two is be a stronghold destroyer. Destroyer. In freedom class, we say this, we can either be a stronghold builder or a stronghold destroyer. I'm either going to lay a brick of the foundation of what the enemy is doing in your life, or I'm going to take a sledgehammer to what the enemy is doing in your life. So the best way to be empathetic with the person And their position is to realize the situation of conflict that you're in may be antagonizing hurt that they haven't dealt with yet. So the best way you can help is by taking a step back and asking them if I'm help or asking yourself if I'm helping or hurting this person. See, Jesus tells us to love our neighbor as ourself. In Matthew 22, 35 through 40. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Right? 
See, we have to understand that in order to love our neighbor as ourself, how many times have you been misrepresented and misinterpreted and you just wanted to be able to make your peace about it? Are you giving people the same opportunity? So when you're in conflict, you can either decide, I'm going to add a brick or take a sledgehammer. How many of you have used tools before? You've used power drills, hammers, sledgehammers, you know, whatever. See, it's interesting that the tools can build or destroy something, but it's the decision we make on how to use the tool that makes the difference. I can use a tool to dismantle something or I can use a tool to build something, but it's my decision on using the tool that makes the difference. It's the same thing with you in conflict. It's your decision on, on how you use conflict that makes the difference. John 15, 13 says this, greater love has no one than this, that, that someone lay down his life for his friends. See, we need to understand sometimes that the greatest act of love we can show is by laying down our pride, anger, and frustration to help someone else heal. I don't care if I'm right. If it causes healing in you, that's better. And then point number three is love and trust. See, we love through showing forgiveness. Showing forgiveness is one of those things in Christianity that it's, it's a, a must. You've got to show people forgiveness as Christ forgave you. You have to. It's like, you've got to. So if you're not forgiving, do it. Um, that's the short of it, right? <laughs> See, but how many times... When it comes dealing with a brother, this is specifically for a brother and sister in Christ. When you, forgave, when you forgave them, did you also show them trust? This is somebody you're trying to move forward with in the kingdom. Right? So I want to be very specific here. This is not somebody that turned their back on the ways of the kingdom and is just out there spreading lies and gossip and slander. and all. That's not who I'm talking about right now. Who I'm talking about is a brother or sister in Christ that you're trying to build the kingdom with. After you forgave them, did you give them an opportunity to earn trust again? Because in order to build the kingdom, there has to be trust. And how many times have we repented to Christ and He didn't take away your purpose, He didn't take away your gifts? He didn't take away your salvation. The same, could be same, said, the same can be said here. If you're having a conversation and you're both wanting to move forward together, then the only way to move forward is through love and trust. The only way to reconcile a difference in your marriage is you love them and you forgive them, but you also have to trust them moving forward. And it's the same thing with your relationship with your brother and sister in Christ. If Jason offends me and I go to him and say, Jason, you said this and it really hurt me. Like, it really hurt me. And he explains, Tony, no, like, that wasn't what I was trying to say at all. And we have a conversation and I find out I have some hurt and anger from a past situation that I didn't realize then I have to squash that and forgive those people, forgive Jason, and allow trust to be formed between us again so we can continue to move forward. 
Are you willing to trust the person that hurt you the most? Because that's the, that's the grown-up part of dealing with conflict. Is I have to be willing to enter back into a relationship of trust with somebody that hurt me. <laughs> it sucks. I'm not saying it's fun. But that's what Christ does with us every single day. Is I hurt him when I sin. When I choose something over him. And I come, come back, Lord, forgive me. And he takes me, and he washes me, and he renews me, and he walks stride by stride, step by step, stride, stride and stride with me. So if we could, please all stand. So today, there's three things that you can respond with. Number one, we need to first off forgive people. So if you need to forgive anybody, forgive people. So, so prayer team, if you could make your way down. And so if you need to forgive, pray with the prayer team that you would forgive them and pray a prayer of blessing over them. Then we need to work out our sins, our issues. Repent to God for our shortcomings, the things we've done wrong in handling conflict, for not representing him well and treating other brothers and sisters and not treating other brothers and sisters with the same love that we expect from them. And third, pray, pray that God would help us to be able to walk out godly conflict in our lives. So if you're in one of these positions, I'm going to pray, and then I would ask that you would come down and pray with the prayer team and forgive, move forward. All right? So dear Heavenly Father God, we're so thankful for you, Lord. We pray that, God, you would help us continue to mature in you, to grow in you, to be changed by you. And I pray that if anybody has any unforgiveness, God, that they would forgive. That if anybody has any hurt, Lord, that they would forgive. That if anybody has been in a position where they haven't represented you well in conflict, Lord, that, they, that you would forgive them and that they would forgive the people that have hurt them, Lord. And God, that they would continue to move forward and being a new creation according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and represent you well. In Jesus' name, amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and His people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on Freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. You know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, you've heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder, you must not commit murder. If you do, you're subject to judgment. But I say even if you're angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you, if you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of hellfire itself. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there. And go and be reconciled to that person and then come offer your sacrifice to God. Let me just tell you what the Lord's speaking to me. Because that message, I mean, if you didn't get something from that, your getter's broken, all right? Here's what the Lord is saying to me. That my connectivity with God will be hindered by my inability to make it right with somebody that I have a wrong with. You need to hear that. Some of y'all are having a hard time connecting with Jesus. 
It ain't because he's far away or you're broken. It's because there's somebody that you're at odds with. And Jesus says, fix it first and then come deliver your sacrifice. This team is here to pray with you on that. Because I'm going to tell you right now, forgiveness, reconciliation, these are not things that are inherent to our flesh. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And sometimes you just need somebody to put hands on you and pray with you that you have the courage to do what you know the Holy Spirit's already telling you to do. Now you know the info, you got to do something with it. Amen? Amen.